All right, cool. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Not Boring Business Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Redman, founder of YourV1.com. This is not suits and handshakes business. This is not boring business. Let's go. Scott, I'm so glad to have you on the Not Boring Business podcast. Uh, I know we're somewhat close, but it feels so far away, man, down in OC. So close, but yet so far, especially with this rain. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, you might die trying to drive here, actually, right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost impossible to take, like, the canyon roads because of just the mudslides. Oh, man, I bet. So you just never know what kind of stuff. Like, I made it though. I'll have to share this picture on social. But I, uh, there's these bunch of boulders that had fallen off the side of the cliff, and I was like, "Oh, can I squeeze that? I'm running late. I don't know if I can turn around." I made it with the lights or the beepers just going off the entire time. I felt really proud of myself. Nice. Now that I can do that, I can navigate boulders. Mm. Add that to your resume. <laughs> Yeah. Right next to um, martial arts skills, right? <laughs> I wish I knew martial arts skills. I don't know. MMA guy? Are you an MMA fan? Uh, not really. Oh, okay. Yeah, me neither. I wish I knew more about that kind of stuff. Like, when I hear Joe Rogan on his podcast, like, talk about all the stuff he knows, I feel so inadequate. Yeah, totally. It's like, it's like I, don't, I don't feel like a man because I don't know how to fight. Seriously. I don't but, know how to like, get in a bar fight, you know? Yeah, totally. But really, I, like... I've made it 37 years without getting in a fight. It's really not that useful of a skill for me. So <laughs> I'm just going to keep rolling with that. Yeah. <laughs> the one time. Yeah, I don't need to fucking prepare five hours a week pretending to fight people. In yeah. boxing ring. For the one time, maybe 40 years from now, I need to punch some guy. You yeah. Know? I'll Although scrap. if that if that situation comes up, you, you would be really glad that if you did. I don't know. I still think then maybe he's training six hours a week. Oh, you know? see, then it's completely useless. Right. You could train seven hours a week, an hour a day in the MMA ring, and that guy could be doing an hour and a half and he's going to kick your ass. It's true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you can never be prepared. So okay. just why even try? Just don't ever prepare. Yeah. <laughs> End of podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. That's yeah. the podcast. Why you shouldn't prepare for anything. Yeah. You know, if you want to be a success, don't prepare for anything. Just let let things come. Yes. And the book coming, Fatalism by Jeremy, is <laughs> on its way. <laughs> That's good. Okay, so talking about fate and letting things come to you. Uh, how did you get involved with the WordPress community? Give you a little background of who who uh, Scott Bollinger is. Sure. So I uh, went to college and I got a degree in music. And then I became a web developer. So, you know, it was worked out perfectly for me. Your preparation um, four years in college meant nothing. Yeah. I, you know, I stayed in college for six years. So I'm actually extra prepared. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm extra unprepared right That's now. That's right. Yeah. Um, no, it was, yeah. So I, I basically didn't want to pursue a career as a musician because it's just kind of, um, a dead end to me for what I wanted to do. Mm. And, um, so I, went out and got a job selling boats and the boat dealership needed a website. And so I started tinkering around in like Dreamweaver back in the day. Yeah. 
And uh, the boat business went under in 2008 when the economy tanked. And I left and started tinkering more with websites and got a job and started building websites for, for a place and doing graphic design. And uh, this is how like ridiculously clueless I was at the time. Um, I had no idea how like web servers worked or PHP worked or anything. So I literally was like, I want to mess with WordPress because it seems cool. I want to try it out. And so I put out an ad. I think I contacted somebody on like, I don't know, Craigslist or something. And I put out an ad. I said, like, I want to pay someone to install WordPress for me. And somebody pinged me. And um, I was like, how much will you charge me to install WordPress? And he's like, $5. And I'm like, I'm like, $5? <laughs> I'm like, so this, I must be missing something here. And um, so like... Fast forward from that, I, I uh, learned about WordPress at that job, started doing like membership sites for them and stuff, and then I went off on my own, started doing client work, eventually decided I didn't like client work so much. I started a, want to do products, so I started a theme company, um, developed some stuff through there, and that ended about, uh, I had kind of like a partnership that went bad, um, but that was about four and a half years ago, and then I started at Presser, and that's what I've been doing ever since. Okay, so let's go back to that client work. What was it about you? Uh, and, I, and I phrase that very, very intentionally. What was it about you that couldn't deal with client work? Um, I have like this crazy aversion to, uh, to number one, people telling me what to do. Like mm. I've just always been that way. Even when I, I worked for friends or whatever, if they just like told me, hey, go like take out the trash or something, it like just like, graded on my nerves mm. and um it's certainly a character flaw but i just can't i just don't work well with somebody telling me what to do and then the second part is that i don't really like um communicating with clients talking to people and having hard conversations sure. and that type of thing was just not i i wanted to be like writing code and building stuff and so um i just very quickly was like this is not for me i need to get into products yeah, like having someone tell you to take, it's the dichotomy there. Having someone tell you to take out the trash and knowing you have to take out your own trash, mm -hmm. I think is incredibly important. Totally, yeah, two totally different things. I am just, I hear someone tell me what to do and I go, how, it's almost like in my head I go, how could I not do that? You know what I mean? Like, how could I not have that person tell me what to do? Yeah, totally. But like, I'm sitting here and, that the entrepreneurial route is amazing and i like want to take i almost complain to other people about like what they put in the trash you know what i mean like i don't like liquids in the trash take out that fucking trash because you put liquid in it you know like i get excited going oh the cleaning lady's going to be here at four o'clock i need to make sure the trash is outside of the office mm -hmm. so it's like yep. it's almost like i'm proactive since i've been doing this my own thing yeah, I think it's it's very common amongst entrepreneurs is you, you go out on your own because you just can't handle being underneath someone else's umbrella. And I think that's just very common. It is such a rare feat for me to listen to what other people have to say. It's almost hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like listen to feedback. That's why I'm that's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm trying to I think advice and everything else is like ninety percent garbage. You know, like all I think about is anyone can give you any advice, any smart person, but anyone can tell you what mistakes to misstep. And I just believe in my core that you're going to, you may not make those same mistakes that they made, but you're going to make your own mistakes. 
you yeah. know, like, I, I, I don't know, like everyone's going to have to make, I call it the threshold of mistakes. Like you have to make a certain amount of mistakes in order to be successful. Yep. Can you talk about maybe uh, a mistake or a pivot that you've made in your entrepreneurial journey? Sure. Um, well, speaking about mistakes in general, um, I'm, I'm kind of similar to you, whereas I like to think that I can take advice and, and hear other people's opinions. But when it comes down to it, I have to make my own mistakes. And I've learned that the hard way. Um, like I can read books that tell me to do such and such a thing. And I, I agree with it. I know in my head that that's what I'm supposed to do. And then I go do the opposite thing anyways. And then it's not until I learn from my own experience um, that that was the wrong thing to do. And here's why, um, like, for example, we created a, an offshoot of app presser that was called reactor. This was like a few years ago and it was sort of like, Hey, we want to go the SAS route. We want to go more API based, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and, and so we're going to start a new brand and put the, put it all under that brand. And so we did that and we launched it and like it kind of did okay. There was a lot of cool things about the product that were very much more advanced than what AppPressor was at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but what we learned is that what, what we basically cannibalized our own customer base and, and we gave them, people would come to us and they'd be like, what's the difference between AppPressor and Reactor? Like, I just want an app. And so um, we would try to tell them the difference and split people off and stuff. But really what we did is we just created competition for ourselves and confusion for our brand. And so um, we ended up sunsetting Reactor and just and just um, bringing it all back into AppPressor um, and taking the best features of Reactor and making everything else better. And then we released AppPressor 3 like a, a year and a half ago or something and, um, and, and then got everything back under one roof um so we definitely learned a lot of lessons from that about just brand confusion and competing against ourselves and yeah. things like that and i have like I, i've i've created a lot of products that have failed so i've learned lessons from all of them <laughs> that's good so like i i think that piece about what you said brand confusion is very important especially when you start out because a lot of entrepreneurs don't necessarily know what their brand is you know, like, how do you go about figuring that out? Or do you think you needed to confuse everyone in order to make sure and centralize what you know to be your brand now? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one because everything that I've done up to this point, including Reactor and our other failures, have really cemented in my mind what our brand is. And I didn't really know what it was supposed to be before that. Um, it kind of took me like failing and stumbling onto it. Um, I really think there's a much better path I could have taken to get there. Um, but that was the path that I took and, and got me to now where I know exactly what AppPressor is supposed to be and what direction we should go, at mm -hmm. least in the near term. Um, but that's a tough one. I mean, I, uh, reading Positioning by Al Rees and Jack Trout is, um, it, it was a huge one for me to clarify in my mind what a brand is supposed to be, what a product is supposed to be. Um, and but that that's another thing that kind of you can't just read that book and like know all the answers it's like you have to have that experience with your own product of of failing and, and figuring stuff out yeah i don't think you can read any book like a lot of people i feel like you can read as you can you can be a fucking bookworm and you're not going to doing something is almost like you shouldn't have read anything at all almost you know, like, but not really yeah yeah 90 <laughs> percent of the way there right yeah yeah, like all I hear, I have no kids, right? Like, but I hear, oh, I've read so many parenting books. But when the kid comes, 
like surprise you know nothing yeah you no, know, it's, it's just it's, like figuring it out as you go yeah it's like reading a, a book about war strategy like when the bullets start flying like all that stuff goes out the window yeah, that's kind of what parenting is too <laughs> it's <laughs> like you're at war and you're just trying to survive day by day you know at war with those diapers my friend that's yeah. exactly how that goes at war with toddlers and tantrums and <laughs> yeah that's a... I I love I love that you went there so like uh I don't know throwing tantrums is a part of my daily routine it just depends on like who's seeing it and who's around me um there are some people I can be more unreasonable with and they understand that it's my personality one time where you were like hey I need to be unreasonable here I need to put my foot down I need to be a little bit of an asshole give me a time Oh my gosh. I mean, like every other day, like with my kids, just uh, failing as a parent. I mean, really like the, you're a the, failure. I mean, <laughs> seriously, you're a parental failure. Yeah. I mean, like work stuff and dealing with like pissy customers is just nothing compared to dealing with toddlers, man. Um, I mean, that's just the best example I can give because I honestly, I can keep my cool in most situations until I had kids. And then um, like it just gave a new meaning to like being able to control your emotions and, and mm. not like freak out. Cause I, like I, I lose it with my, my kids and I, I'm not talking about anything crazy, but like where I'll like raise my voice or about something little or, sure. um, like for example, my yet, even just yesterday, like my, I turned on the TV and my son just immediately came up. He's four and he's music came up and was like, no, I don't want to watch this or that. And there had been so much like just complaining and crying, like leading up to that point. I was yeah. just like, I was just like, shut your mouth. Like, don't <laughs> complain about this to me right now, you know? Yeah. And, um, and like, I just, I, that was just a total failure of my, in my part of keeping calm, but it's just, there's so many things that lead up to that point where I was yeah. just boiling over and, and that was the like straw that broke the camel's back. Okay. So people, I think anyone hears that like on a podcast or watches the, watches the dad spank their kid in public. You know what I mean? Like, but it, that was like the last straw. I don't think anyone can keep their cool all the time. And if you can, you're a complete psychopath. Yeah. I, I ha we know we have a daycare lady who does like she literally keeps her cool all the time and that's why she can do daycare but she is I mean she's a saint like a normal people are not like that for sure mm -hmm. <laughs> right. you you have to be saint like and even then I'm sure she's in her own home you know like throwing shit at the TV you know what I, mean? <laughs> I would be so surprised if I like, found that out <laughs> that's what I mean everyone has this yeah. bullshit public persona that you need to have on and it's like hey that's inappropriate or hey that's unprofessional it's like why the fuck are you defining these things for me you know like if my things i'm gonna get to where i want to go faster because i know myself you're playing this public game you know like mm -hmm. how do you handle clients that are maybe a little unruly or like customers that that write in and be like hey this wasn't what you said this wasn't what you promised do you just go here, here's your money back or do you try to work with them? And, and when do you start to lose your cool if ever? Uh, so I, I think that stuff is easy personally. Like, um, if, you know, we try to just be calm and explain things to them and be professional. Um, the, the only time that it's unacceptable is when people cross the line and start attacking us personally or, um, swearing and things like that. Um, at that point we, uh, you know, we draw the line and we say, we say that is completely inappropriate. Like you cannot attack me or my, anyone on my team in a personal way. 
and and if you do then you're done like you are you either have to leave, we'll give you your money back and you are gone. Or in some cases, maybe we don't give you your money back and you're gone anyways. Or you can, uh, you can 180 and apologize and come down to be an, being a professional. You and, make and them apologize? Um, so I don't know if personally I have asked someone to apologize, but I was talking to Corey Miller of iThemes about this yesterday and he did actually, he was telling me a story of one time when he told a customer, he was like, you, you can either be banned forever or you can apologize for what you did. And, and then you can, and then we can talk to you about proceeding with our product and, and things like that. And they did, they apologized. But every time I've, I've, I've probably only done that with customers, maybe like twice, but each time I've done it, they have actually backed down off their position and said, you know, I'm sorry, I was having a bad day or that was unprofessional or whatever. Um, but to me, like, I mean, there's, there's a clear line between like being upset about something that's happening with our product and that's okay. But when you start attacking people personally, that's like that, they're just done at that point. Yeah. Okay. Two questions here, which is one, what would be an, a personal... I don't think I'm ever dealing with a person when I buy a product, right? Like, I don't think I'd ever attack someone personally when I buy a product from someone. Like, like what is it? Like, you're a piece of shit. That doesn't even seem personal to me. You know, like, you're an asshole. Like, that doesn't seem personal either. I'm trying to think what kind of personal attack. It's like, your kids must hate you. Like that or what? No, what is it's it? um, just kind of... Uh, Raising it beyond like, hey, your product didn't work f for my site or whatever. I'm really upset about it. You know, they can even get a little bit, uh, a little bit more like heated language is fine, mm -hmm. um, and sort of vent. But as soon as they start saying like, you know, you're an effing asshole, or you, oh, you, sure. you like idiots aren't answering my emails fast enough, and mm -hmm. just like words like that, and and start phrasing it a way that's like attacking us personally or my support guys. I, you know, I have to make it real clear to my support guys that number one, that they are, that's not okay for people to treat them like that so that they feel safe, you know, working in, in that, that type of environment. Yeah. And then also that's just like, I don't want customers like that and, and I don't need their money. And so I would rather they just go away and I have the power to do that. And so I, I use it. Okay. That's good. Like wielding that power. Cause that is a very powerful position to be in early on in your startup, right? And I'm kind of here. I know a couple of friends that are, are in this stage as well that like you try to get any client you can one to make sure you, you're getting the proper uh, product market fit. Right. You don't know until you try and you get your product out there and and customers churn or customers stay. So for me, when you're trying to get every customer you possibly can any way you possibly can because you're hungry and you need it. How do you, it's one thing for like the guy at iThemes or, or an established brand and an established company to have that leverage to say, you know what, change, you know what, go home, you, you adjust your attitude, come back, apologize, and then I'll let you buy my product or stay, or stay on the <laughs> platform versus I need this more than they need this, mm -hmm. right? Like there's a delicate balance there. So like, did you experience anything that in your early days versus now where you have more leverage? Sure, I, I think um, everyone starts there, you know? And it's a really difficult place to be because um, 
you, I mean, it's a, you, you're accepting the wrong customers into your business because you need the money. And, um, right. and, and I think early on, like just hustling and scrapping for every dollar is something that just everybody has to do. And you just have to get past that point. And, and eventually you will, if you scrap hard enough, or if you, if you realize that it's not working and you try something else, whatever it is, um, I think you just have to kind of get through that, that, that time any way that you can and just get your bills paid. But realizing that, like, um, that, that there are some customers that are completely wrong for you and your business and and that hopefully this is a temporary thing. Um, but that's a, that's just a tough place to be. I, I don't know of any like magical fix for that. Yeah. I don't think so either. I think everyone's got a grind at the beginning. Yeah. So when did you know, when did you get outside? I know the grind is always kind of there. It's even if it's like subliminal underneath some conscious, but at that real grind period where say you're like, you're begging, right? You're doing anything you can to get, I have no pride. I'm in that stage right now. Like anything I can do because, uh, daddy needs money and daddy's business needs money and I've got to keep the lights on and all these other things. So like, I'm very open and I'm very honest. I'd hope to get past that stage eventually or here, hopefully soon. When did you know at presser was beyond that stage when like you were getting people automatically, what was kind of like a cue for you that you're like, okay, we've got something here. We've got the right product market fit and we're fucking, we're all, we just need to light. We just need a little more, uh, a little more butane. Yeah, um, that's a tough one. So when with with App Presser, um, like right when we released it, we actually um, we actually sold quite a few copies like the very first month, um, and so we didn't with App Presser specifically, we did not have a period where we were like grinding it out with no sales. Um, but you I have didn't de- have a period that period. No. Oh, interesting. Um, be- yeah, um, and, and you know, I, I think AppPressor is an anomaly, and I and I got lucky, and I there are reasons why I think it succeeded, but it wasn't because of I was smart, um, but um, but that's not that's not been the case for me ever, always because I've certainly been there grinding it out with on client work that like sucked, and on products where I'm like doing everything I can to not have to refund someone like fifty dollars because it actually mm-hmm. made a difference to me. Um, and I mean, the, the, the only thing I can say from, from not being in that position now, it's, it's probably just, you should probably ignore my advice. But one thing I, I will say anyways, is that um, you, when, you, when you grind that hard, you can use that energy for, for good, or you can use it to just spin your wheels just to pay the bills. And mm-hmm. I think that um, if you can make the distinction between grinding it out to build something that is going to be uh, worth building, it, it, um, that is the direction to go instead of just grinding it out with crappy customers to get your bills paid. Sure. And I don't know how you make that distinction, but I do think those are two separate things. I love it. I mean, I, I, I'll think about parking that in the 10% of advice that I agree with. Like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I'd be so honored if I made your, yeah. your 10%. I'll let you know later, but, okay. and, and I'll have to update you, but that's a very good, I like that you kind of fought me on that, you know, like, or at least told me that. And you, you put the caveat in there, so that's good. Yeah. And, um, and I, so let me add one more thing to that too, yeah, um, is the, 
Um, I think that it's it's bad for a product when you are desperate for for money and sales. It's it's also probably bad for a service as well because you make decisions based on the fact that you need the money, and and so that means that you may be getting the wrong customers in the door, and you're bending over backwards and changing your product just to keep them paying you money, and that is bad for a product over the long term because you should have a very specific focus on on who your customer is and and who you're trying to get. Um, and, and if you can't get those type of people yet, like all those type of people in enough to pay the bills yet, that's okay. But, um, but just realize that what you should be doing is focusing mm-hmm. on a specific type of customer and get that person in the door. And if you're changing your product for the wrong customer just to get money, like you're hurting yourself in the long term with that. So I, I've noticed I, like as I, go ahead. No, i just wanted to say that, uh, I hated that piece. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first piece might have been part, uh, might still be parked in the top 10%. This one is in the 90%. All lovingly, right. lovingly right. 90% that one. I don't Take, know. For, forget it. Forget, forget <laughs> it then. <laughs> Delete that part. Uh, no. ed, hit that one hits the editing room floor. <laughs> That's on the chopping room floor, my friend. Yeah. No, I still I, believe, I still believe in great. it though. I no, I love it. That That's what this is about, man. Like this, it's about, you don't have to think the exact same way as me. Most people don't number one. And that is probably a great strategy like yours, like finding the right people. I'm saying get traction by any means necessary because you're, you're right. I get, okay, so this is the 10% of that 90% garbage. So like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, it's not a good long-term strategy. Completely agree. But I think people give up before they even hit long-term people mm. give up on everything they do before they hit a legitimate long-term threat. So like you got to do whatever you can to make a sale or get any traction to help you stay in the game until you get to 12, 18, 24 months. Because if you're not getting any positive response back, even if it's not, you're doing something wrong, people just give up. And that to me is the saddest thing ever. You got to focus on some kind of short term before you can get to the long term. Yep. Uh, But I I do agree with you completely, 100%, all seriousness, that it's not a long-term strategy. Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah, right. We disagree, but we still love one another. And it's Valentine's Day, and (laughs) love is always love is in the air. (laughs) Happy Valentine's Day, by the way. Oh, thanks. Okay. So what? So we just I, I actually love that exchange. So like, what's a piece of advice that's floating out there right now? Um, that you vehemently disagree with. It could be anything maybe in the WordPress community or the entrepreneurial community, the startup community, anything that you hear, parenting, doesn't matter. Whatever you think that's like, this person's fucking wrong. Like, and I need to scream this person is wrong, but you don't. Um, I think I think one thing that, I sort of disagree with is the um, sort of Silicon Valley, Gary V, like um, sort of hustle at all costs mm. mentality. Sure. And um, I, I sort of, I sort of hedge myself on this one because um, I think that there are certainly areas where this can work, and I, and I feel a little bit of like privilege saying like I don't have to hustle and I can have some like work life balance, and maybe not everyone is able to have that. Um, so, but with that, where I'm at in my life, um, I don't want to, um, I don't want to get to a point like 
when I'm 60 or 70 and just be like, yeah, I've built this like empire, but all I ever did was work. Mm. Um, and so I believe in like hard work, like, and, and working on things that are meaningful. But, um, I believe that my, the most important thing in my life is like, you know, my relationship with God, my relationship with my family, um, and, and my own happiness depends on me having a work-life balance. And if I, and if I hustle and work all the time and burn myself out, I'm going to be a terrible husband. I'm going to be a terrible father and I'm, and I'm not going to do my work as well as even if I think I'm doing more cause I'm working more. Yeah. I, that's really good. And I think a lot of people have come up to me and said that like, because I have the articles and entrepreneur that are like, you got to work your ass off. And like, I don't know any other, you ask anyone that's made any success, you have the exceptions, you have the outliers, but most people have grinded and stayed persistent uh, during a time. Everyone reaches that, what, that, what's the, the valley, the dip, you know, mm -hmm. where you're like, yeah. this is a horrible fucking idea. I don't know why I started this, you know? Yeah. So like, you've got to believe or almost be someone insane or grind through that time. And I don't. At this point, when it's like I'm working, I work all the time. So like I work at night, I work at, it's fun for me. I don't have a family. So I, I could give a shit about like anything else, really. It's just like grinding for the couple things that I've got going on that are helping the business, that are helping growing a couple other things that I'm involved with. Mm -hmm. Like that to me is so much fun. It, it's hard because it's rewarding. Not, you're not going to get any reward if, if what you were doing to get there isn't difficult, you know, like, or it's not going to be as sweet. So yeah. I think if you're working a bunch, you've got to love what you do, right? Like, and if you love it, it doesn't feel like work. Is that complete bullshit to you? No, I, uh, I think that's a total valid um, counterpoint to what I said, because, uh, you know, in your case, like if you can get all the hustling and working all the time done when you're younger, uh, um, I think that that's the best way to do it, because I think you're right. Like a, a lot of the people, even the people like like me or like like people who like have you ever heard of bigger, bigger pockets. Before? No, I haven't. Was that? Oh, okay, the, so they're book. like, okay. no, it's a, it's like a really well-known like real estate investing site where they have like forums and books and podcasts and stuff. And they're really like really, really successful. So the guy who started that, he's big on saying like, oh, you shouldn't like work all the time. And I used to be a workaholic and stuff. Um, but even that it's like, okay, maybe the reason why you're successful is because you were a workaholic for a number of years. Mm. And even though now you admit that that was wrong and you shouldn't have done that, it was because of all that work you put in that you're successful. And now you can say, Hey, you guys shouldn't do that. Even though I did it. I, I think that there's a lot of that, like people who work a lot, they, they are more successful. Like just, I think that's just kind of makes sense. But in, it's certainly in my case, I don't think that it's the most important thing you could be committing your life to for over the long term. you know, maybe for short periods of time, a few years here and there, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, uh, Hey, I, I wanted to, since it's Valentine's, okay, uh, we, you love language. Do you know what these are? Yeah. Okay, like touch, acts of service, gifts, words of affirmation, quality time. I manage people based on this or what theirs is, and I love my wife based on what hers are, and hopefully I feel like I get th that in return. Mm -hmm. But they can be somewhat manipulative, you know, because if you know what someone's is, and you use that to your advantage, right? Like, <laughs> so it's got to be massaged. What is your what uh what is your love language? Um, see, I, I like read this book and I did this with my wife. You read and the like, book? I, yeah, totally. 
Oh um, my gosh. But, and I don't really remember what exactly which one I am. Um, but I know, but I know for me, the biggest thing is feeling respected. And so I don't know, it's not words of affirmation. I think, I, I don't know. I feel like if you're a respect it guy, it's words of affirmation. No, but it's not though, because saying words is not, you. it is, you know I mean? it is actions, it is actions hmm. and, and showing respect. And so I, I don't know. I think, I think I was touch or something, Touch, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Cause honestly, like. In my marriage, like sex is the most important thing. One hundred percent, So I guess that means touch. I don't know. <laughs> you guess sex means touch. Yeah, I, I guess mean... that one doesn't work in the workplace so much. No, that's know? why I'm, I'm saying like maybe you're this just touching apply people. Here. Oh, yeah. I know you right. like to be touched, so I'm I'm walking over there across the room to give you a little high five yeah. or a pat. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Scott. Where can uh, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Scott Bollinger. Um, I also have a website, scottbollinger.com. Love it. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on. You are a blast. Everyone check out at Presser and Scott Bollinger's blog. Uh, thank you so much. Not Boring Nation.